Hey y'all, it's Aisha with Black Girl from Eugene. I am on my road trip to Houston, Texas, and I am just passing through Wichita Falls, uh, Texas from Eugene. Um, If you've been following my podcast, you know this is like new beginnings for me. Um, There's a lot of story that will be told over several episodes, I'm sure, uh, of my journey. But right now, I was just listening to um, NPR's podcast, Code Switch, which I love. But um, there was an episode about um, this class that was taken in a college in San Antonio, and they were talking about race and identity and pop culture, which uh, is a great class. There's one that was a brand new class there, and I, I actually need to speak to one of my friends at University uh, of Oregon, who is a professor there. I swear that we have uh, a class like that. I think she may even teach it, but there is this, you know, controversy about whether it should be an ethnic study class or an African-American studies class. At this particular school in San Antonio, it's an African-American studies class, um, but that's neither here nor there for me, I don't think, but I'm sure there's politics around all of that. However, I was listening to the children the college students talk about uh, their experience in this classroom, and it was, it almost brought tears to my eyes, uh, and I'm going to try not to cry a little bit, because I'm so emotional right now, I think I'm tired, y'all, I've been driving for a long time, but anyway, um, it's one of those moments where I am at, I am in Eugene, I'm from Eugene, and I, and that, that means a lot by saying from Eugene, because as a black woman, being born and generally raised in Eugene, uh, there's just, we're not there. We're, we are a micro population of Eugene, especially when I grew up. And that need to have black community uh, is always very deep and dear to most of the black folks who are in Eugene. Most, all of the black people who are from Eugene um, have this issue. Some of us survive it, Others of us have collapsed to it and are unidentifiable uh, in, as a black cultured person. And we'll, there's more episodes about that coming up. Um, I have a, a huge family, and including myself, there's seven brothers and sisters, and we've had, I think, 16 kids all together, and my mother and father are still married and, and intact and alive. Um, so we've had a really strong base of to to foundation to access our and I'm air quoting blackness um, my dad my brothers my nephews all into black history in a very deep 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 way it's always been integrated jazz has always been played in my house uh, we've always had an upright fiddle that um, my brother my dad or even my nephew one of my nephews have played my niece has played um, so we were able to stay intact that way, although our outside surrounding atmosphere was always like a constant barrage of, of tearing you down, uh, tearing that strength down. And it did a good job to a lot of us. Uh, it did a good job. So I'm listening to these kids from San Antonio talk about how they needed to have this conversation about race in this modern day 
that they needed to have it out loud and that when they did have it out loud, um, when it, it, it became evident that there's, there are pla- there's, this conversation is more touchy than re- religion or politics has ever been. You know how they always say, don't talk about, uh, if you want to have a relationship with someone, you want to get to know someone, don't start off with religion or politics. Well, race is even touchier. Right now in the United States, being black, talking about race uh, doesn't, it is automatically brings up this defense. And the problem that I have and the pain part that I have with this is that I, I'm moving to Texas right now with the idea of, of getting my breath back. I feel deflated from living in Eugene for 13 years. I feel uh, oh, like the color is gone, like quite literally just face is gray. I need life put into me and I hope to get that by surrounding myself with more brown people, not necessarily black people, Latinx people, you know, Indian people. Um, I, I don't I don't care, just brown people, <laughs> um, a different culture, somewhere where I'm not seen as a, an exotic experience. I, that's why I'm coming to Texas. I want my daughter who's only been sheltered and, and lived in that small bubble, will identify with some other part of herself and see her beautiful brown face in a different light. Although she is very confident, very strong young woman, I know that being surrounded by like teenagers will open up yet another aspect of her strength. But to hear these folks, these college students here in Texas, um, it's not, it's not lost on me that, of course, it's, the, it's racist everywhere we go. Um, and and for, you, for those of you who believe it's more racist in the South than it is in the North, um, that's all to be argued on the relevance and the, and the reality and the, and the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, the perspective of, of it, I'm air quoting, more racist. It's a different type of racism. There's covert, there's overt, um, there's traditional, there's historic. Uh, so it's, it's it, you know, it's just complicated. And I'm more than welcome to talk about that too and my experiences with both. Um, however, and this may sound weird, but I, I, it doesn't feel as heavy in the South for me because community is there to back you up, because you have each other. And I come from a place of deprivation with that. Um, I don't see the colorism for me isn't isn't as prevalent because I come from a place that it doesn't matter what you look like in terms of the shades of brown that you are. If you are with kinky hair or if you have a wide nose or if your lips are thick or if you have one parent uh, who is black or you know, or your booty is big, you are black. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, that is what it is, you know, and you get to live uh, in whatever restrictions they may have assigned you for that uh, for that moment. And so when I come to Houston, colorism doesn't play with me, play a, a, a part in my mind, because I'm just looking at all of our shades of black and saying, oh, we're all beautifully black. There is no one better than the other. I'm so happy 
to see every single person who is just a shade of brown and I can relate uh, to them. So that was interesting to me to hear these folks talk about um, the need to be heard or to be seen as relevant um, just in the discussion of what of the police being called on a, on a student. This was the discussion they were talking about. It was national news that this girl went to class and she had the you know, class all crowded up. And so she put her feet on a, um, on a chair in front of her and the teacher kicked her out. It was on a Friday afternoon. Monday, the weekend had gone by. Monday, she comes back in and the teacher sees her and kicks her out of class, and not only kicks her out of class, but calls the police. So I know they discuss this on NPR, and you guys should totally watch Code Switch and listen to Code Switch. They do a good job. But I wanted to say more than what they were saying there. It, and I don't know that the conversation didn't happen. But I think the idea of this defensiveness is that, you know, with, this, with us being black, and the response is to call the police. I think one mother did say, you know, um, that's like a death sentence right now, 2018. It's been a death sentence always. Um, I think that it's a little less, we, we are more worried about less consequence for the for the white folks who keep calling police like it's customer service, you know. Um, however, what, what the conversation for me is, is that why is it so okay that that is the next step? And it's not the next step for everyone. I don't think everyone keeps kind of like going around this idea of, um, they don't want to say, well, inherently we think that you're violent and that's why we call the cops. Inherently we think that, you know, if we call the cops on, you, as a black woman, you're going to make a scene. If I call the cops on Shelly over here, she will go quietly. Based on what? And it just, bottom line, goes right back to racism. And I don't think that, that I think it's very complicated for for colonizing group to put their finger on the idea that it's just so ingrained into your mind that this person might want to fight you because they're black. But if she's white, she'll understand. Um, and then you don't question that. You don't ask, why would she want to fight? It's just that we're born violent? Or is it that we're so in pain, the oppression goes on and on and on, and it's a, and it's a, restricted, it's a uh, response, it's a trigger. You know, now we're defensive. We, we are an injured, you know, um, person. So when you want to to put us on the pedestal of evil for just existing, there's no way that a reasonable person without racism being the underlying would expect that conversation um, would be different. You know, it was like, if that's a white person versus a black person, I mean, this is like basic one-on-one stuff. Uh, everyone wants to not. I'm you know I'm I'm blanket stating here, but it's one of those things where it's like you know you got to go back down and understand that this is you, the only reason. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. There's no conversation. It is the only reason why you believe I am different than than Shelly over here. 
is because inherently you have been taught to believe so. And because of that, that is racism. That is it. There's nothing else. There's no even, there's no even history behind it really. You know, um, you can't, there's not, the, the statistics don't even hold up with one race, you know, with that, with a black race at all being actually more violent. Statistically, it doesn't even hold up. So this is like a mind wash that people just are refusing to say, I don't know why I don't like you, but I, I believe, I believe, you know, and that, that's where the pain for me comes in is like, you, you just believe that this is, that it makes sense that because my skin is brown, whatever shade of brown it may be, it just makes more sense that I would be unreasonable or unreasonably defensive. It's a hard conversation, but you know, and we, I think, you know, I've been on this road trip. I've gone through all these little small country towns and we didn't take the main freeways. I went through San Francisco. That's, um, was awesome in Oakland and Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, all the way over to Las Vegas and then through um, Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico to, um, where the heck? Oh, Amarillo. <laughs> and now down through Fort Worth, all the way to Houston. Um, and it ha- we've seen all kinds of people, my daughter and I, and everyone has been friendly and talkative and curious. Um, and I hope that I can continue to, to encounter a curious people. So I want to have a curious conversation um, about it, about everything, about life, about each other. I think the one thing about this administration in the White House, you know, it's not that this hasn't been here all the time. It's just been, you know, amplified, like the leash has been taken off the dog or, uh, and I still believe that we've all existed with each other long enough that we can talk, we can have a conversation, or at least I'm not going to engage in the, in, I'm not going to engage um, unless there's curiosity involved. It's not a way, it's a waste of my energy and I believe it's a waste of yours too. So I don't know. Let's approach each other with some curiosity. Uh, let's try not to exist in each other's space or exist in each other's day. Get, say hello. Get curious. Ask. Try not to be defensive. Try to approach somebody else's maybe awkward question or, or, or misplaced, um, you know, insertion and try to talk about it with some curiosity. Try to drop the defense a little bit. Feeling too solid in what we're here to do to let this orange man call my narrative on my day to day. So anyway, be blessed y'all. I am like five hours from Houston. I am tired as hell. My co-pilot, my daughter fell asleep on me. (laughs) Um, anyway, I do have some more podcasts to post and once I get settled in Houston, I will, um, 
talk about when and where those will it will be posted here and all other media sites. I got to open my Twitter up and have my Instagram going and I will definitely put a little tag there uh, in the next time I'm on. Anyway, have a wonderful rest of your week and I look forward to hearing from you. Peace.